Today is Monday, May 22nd, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Tim Keller has died. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend. You can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. We'd love to hear from you. We're getting through the news of the cray each and every day. Joining me this Monday morning, Billy Hallowell. What's going on, Billy? Happy Monday to you. I am happy Monday. I'm (laughs) I'm ready to dive into the week. Yep. It is going to be a busy one, as usual. And, um, of course, that news I mentioned of Tim Keller, that's that's some sad news. We've also uh, got some more uh, updates on some of the persecution happening around the globe. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be talking about Sudan and the chaotic situation going on there. I think it's, it's helpful to dive into these stories so we kind of get a sense of what's happening you know, outside of America, right? What's going on around the world? Yep, and, uh, and the main thing today, we're going to look at a new study on wokeness in America and how it's impacting the U.S. military and its readiness. And we'll talk about the gospel cure. Madison Seals has that on the main thing. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. Christian author and pastor Tim Keller has died after more than a three-year battle with pancreatic cancer. His death was announced in an email by Redeemer Churches and Ministries, Ministries, a network started by Keller. And it said, We are forever grateful for his leadership, heart, and dedication to sharing the love of Christ with others. While we'll miss his presence here, we know he's rejoicing with his Savior in heaven. There will never be another Tim Keller. We'll all miss him. The 72-year-old co-founded the Gospel Coalition and wrote multiple best-selling books. He also founded Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan. And recently released ring camera footage shows the moment two FBI agents unexpectedly showed up at the childhood home of a pro-life activist and questioned their mother. FBI agents Ashley Roberts and Kathleen Brown showed up at the childhood home of progressive anti-abortion uprising member Elise Ketch on April 18th. This was around 2.45 in the afternoon. Ketch said she had no idea why the agent showed up at her house, told her mom not to say anything. And she believes the main reason for the visit was to intimidate her by showing up at the house and questioning her mother. And... Is a digital dollar coming soon? Some financial experts warn it could be an instrument of government control. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNnews.com. Obviously, Billy, big news in the Christian world with Tim Keller passing away. Um, and just, man, cancer is just awful. I mean, I think all of us, uh, you know, I've said this before, but it's still true, have dealt in our families, in our circles with cancer in some way, shape, or form. And it's just... Uh, it's just uh, it's just a sad, sad disease. It is. And, you know, it affects everybody. Like you were saying, it's a it's a universal, unfortunately, you know, in our existence. And somebody like Tim Keller, you know, he did so much for the church. Right. I mean, he, he's just a lot of people have compared him to a modern day C.S. Lewis in terms of his writings. And so a really revered. I don't know about you, but but pastor, my entire feed on Facebook over the weekend was just filled with tributes to him, people who knew him personally or people who were impacted by him. So yeah, you know, very, really sad loss. Yeah. Very similar. And um, I, I was moved by his comments that um, there were some comments released by his family when they kind of updated 
audiences and his following to his condition and that he wasn't doing well and he'd been transitioned into hospice care and he and he said that uh, they said that he was real you know coming to grips with that this was the end and that he was he was actually excited to go meet Jesus and I thought it just gave me chills to see somebody realizing they're on the precipice of entering into the next life but then having that excitement um, about meeting Jesus and just just honestly it gave me chills because that's you know the hope we have as Christians and to see somebody knowing they're about to realize that is and then being excited about it was it was that was moving it, it gives you a peace right yeah. I think you know de- death is terrifying to a lot of people even a lot of Christians struggle you know with the concept of death even knowing you're gonna live beyond that and seeing that in somebody like him I think does kind of just remind you of that hope that we do have in the in what happens beyond this life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We're going to move into our next story here. And this is one where people, unfortunately, in a much different way, are facing another threat. And this is persecution we're seeing around the globe. And a Christian missionary recently talked about some of the horrific conditions on the ground in Sudan where they and they were sharing how these circumstances are both unbearable and very deadly so what's going on here in sudan yeah it's a really complicated situation i think people have probably seen the headlines a few weeks back last month uh, where the u.s was taking diplomats and other countries were expelling their diplomats out of there rescuing them getting them out because really it's a nation at war uh, since april 15th sudan has had uh, a fair bit of chaos going on and we can get into that in a minute but Kafil Amani, this his name was changed for his protection, but he's apparently a Christian missionary there, and he spoke with Christian headlines about what he is experiencing. Now he's apparent he's in South Sudan, um, which is on the border, obviously, of Sudan. There's a complex history there, but people are fleeing because of this military crisis that is going on there. Uh, the numbers are as high as 1.1 million people fleeing into South Sudan, other places, and so Kafil spoke with Christian headlines about what he has seen. He said there's no stability. Gunshots and explosions are the order of the day. He said people live in fear and hopelessness. Life becomes meaningless as the value of human beings is reduced to nothingness. And, I mean, the quotes are just you know, horrific in this interview, but you know, really just talking about the fact that life has become unsustainable there and that there has been a catastrophic situation. You know, Think about electricity, water, food, all of those things evaporating there's no law and order and uh, it's really just a, a tragic situation that also has ramifications for churches right and christians because this is in sudan you know it's, it's an islamic driven country and so there are reports that you have churches that are basically being assets are taken the church is taken it becomes a military depot mm-hmm. you know and there were some injuries at a church the other day so so really Christians and others are, are are just like everybody else but sort of being swept up into this chaos and I think the biggest piece of that puzzle is you know Sudan has made steps toward becoming a little more friendly to religious liberty in recent years. Um, it's still, you know, ranks number 10 in Open Doors USA for the worst place to live as a Christian. Um, but but they're fearing that that's going to be rolling back some of those advances. Yeah, I mean, and you really take for granted. I, I mean, I, I sat outside and enjoyed a lot of the weather this weekend, and it was just a really nice weekend. And here you hear comments like that where you can't even, um, where life is just so devalued and treated as nothing. And militaries running around just, 
you know, killing people. It's just really awful. Obviously, this impacts everybody, but how, how is this impacting Christians? Yeah. So, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing a situation where I think there's probably a lot of anxiety um, because one of the things that apparently, you know, at one point in Sudan, it was illegal to leave Islam, right? The death penalty was what you could get. Now, as far as I understand in 2021, so not that long ago, that policy was vanquished, right? Getting rid of the death penalty for leaving Islam. And there are fears that that could return. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because because of the Islamic extremist nature of some of the battling that's going on, um, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. Who's going to take control? This is a country, by the way, you know, that in in the last few years, there was an ouster, I think, in 2021 of the former leader, the Sudanese uh, Sudanese leader, al-Bashir. He had been he had been in power for decades. And so he was pushed out. And you now have these different military factions arguing for who is essentially going to take control. Right. And so it's a, you don't know what's going to happen with those policies. You've also got not just, not just hospitals. Like I mentioned churches that are being taken over and being used as military depots. Imagine you're in your church, you're worshiping and the military comes in and they say, suddenly this is a military depot and you're not a church anymore. So these are, these are all things that affect everyone, but Christians in particular, when you're in a when you're a minority group in a situation like this, it's it's potentially deadly. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as I mentioned, obviously it's impacting everyone, not just Christians. But what what is the general persecution dynamic in Sudan? Yeah, so this is this is super interesting to me because I I did not realize a lot about sort of the history here. But Christians make up about there are about two million Christians, which sounds like a lot. Um, in Sudan, but it's only about 4.3% of the population. So it's a very small percentage hmm. of the population. Um, and as I mentioned, they've made positive strides in the country, um, but there's fears that that's going to be rolled back. Um, it's not It's not a great situation for Christians, right? It's not like you were mentioning being out there enjoying the weather, you're going right. to church, the things that we do here, um, You when you are only 2% or 4% of the population in a country like this, um, it's it's potentially deadly and dangerous. So they rank very high, and they have for a long time on the World Watch list, which ranks you know persecution around the globe. Um, and so it's it's not a pleasant place for Christians, and we need to be praying for peace there in general, um, but also for the church that you know the church will be protected in all this. Yeah, absolutely. So how um, how can we be praying? I mean, look, there's this is one of those situations where you know you feel far away, and what can you do? You see brothers and sisters in Christ over there going through this awful persecution. Um, you know, you know, our government's not sending military over there or anything like that. So um, what can we how can we be praying? Absolutely. I mean, I gave that you know, general, you know, hey, pray for the church, but we got to pray for peace there. We've, we've got two different you've got the Sudanese military. You've got this other group that uh, is a paramilitary group that has taken, that is trying to take control. We need to be praying for peace there. Um, But Amini in sharing his story, uh, and this is the missionary we were talking about at the top here, he talked about the fact that he has siblings who are trapped right in Mm -hmm. Sudan. So we need to be praying for people who are trapped in Sudan right now who can't get out. Um, He also has siblings in other places, family members in Kenya, other refugees who have gone to other countries. They don't have food. They don't have money. They don't have money for rent. I mean, you're talking about, again, a, a catastrophic situation of people being trapped and also people being then, even if you get out, 
where are you going? I mean, yeah. picture being, if you're listening to this, picture being expelled to another country. You don't know anybody there. You have no family, no resources, no job, and you've got to figure out how to survive. And so we need to be praying uh, for all of those things. And also in South Sudan, praying for the church there because South Sudan is, is a separate country. Uh, people are flooding into South Sudan right now, um, as well as other countries praying that that people, the church there would be equipped to deal with the needs. They don't have a lot of money there either, uh, but to deal with the needs that all these refugees have. Yeah, absolutely. Heavy, heavy stuff there. And certainly um, appreciate all the information there, Billy, so that we can be praying uh, specifically in this situation as um, our Christian brothers and sisters there are really, really suffering. So appreciate you bringing that one to our attention today. But we're going to move over to the main thing now. And a ministry has conducted a study on wokeness in America. Reverend Pacienza from D. James Kennedy Ministries, they had a study on wokeness in America and how it specifically affects the U.S. military readiness and addresses the gospel cure. Madison Seals has the story on today's main thing. There's an ideology spreading across the U.S. that places subjective views on things like race, gender, and sexuality above logic, reasoning, facts, and just about everything else. We live in a society that largely prioritizes emotions while minimizing anything that interferes with them. But this is especially problematic when it comes to our military, where going woke means compromising physical and mental readiness for things like diversity and inclusion. D. James Kennedy Ministries took a deep dive into this topic with a series of reports on wokeism in America. And today I'm joined by their president and CEO, Reverend Pacienza. Thank you for joining me today. Madison, thanks for having me on. This term woke has gained a lot of traction in the last decade or so, and now it's really transformed into an ideology that is majorly affecting everything that we do here in the U.S. How would you define wokeism in America? To be woke is to wake up to what progressive thought leaders and cultural elites say that we need to wake up to the systemic racist roots of America and our society, that we need to be more aware of the uh, oppressive laws and traditions that have been created over time throughout our nation's history, that certain individuals are the oppressor and other groups that have been marginalized are the oppressed and ultimately woke ideology and this whole idea of being woke finds its roots in Marxism. And that's where we get the phrase cultural Marxism. So when we talk about Marxism today, we're not talking about class warfare or an economic system, but we're talking about the concept of pitting the oppressed against the oppressor, but instead of it revolving around economics or class, now it, the conversations go to gender or it goes to race. And the Marxist ideology that has become cultural Marxism or wokeism is now trying to pit races against each other, genders against each other. But make no mistake, this new idea of wokeism is nothing new. As Ecclesiastes said, there's nothing new under the sun. This is just Marxism repackaged to fit the agenda of a secular society. Yeah, and I want to talk about the 
gender side of that. One of the recent woke moves by the U.S. military that sparked a lot of controversy is the promotion of a drag queen named Harpy Daniels, who serves as an ambassador for recruitment into the Navy. I mean, this seems like some sort of satirical attempt to make light of woke culture, but it's not satire at all. And it's actually meant to entice younger recruits by promoting so-called inclusion. How is this actually affecting our military and national security, though? Oh, it's affecting it in drastic ways. Uh, So instead of recruiting uh, military personnel to love America and everything it stands for domestically and internationally, these young recruits are being brought in to be woke and to actually despise the American story, to despise what American democracy stands for domestically and internationally. And so you can only imagine what this would do to our national defense uh, when you have men and women that are not coming together with a common cause to bring freedom and democracy and liberty to all people based on the Judeo-Christian roots of our nation, but actually raising up military personnel that despise our history, despise our Judeo-Christian roots because they're considered oppressive, they're considered archaic, they're considered part of the very thing that makes America terrible, they're being taught. Uh, So you can only imagine the implications and the ramifications, and this has unfortunately been going on for a long time in our military academies, uh, but now it's finally being exposed. The drag queen promo is really just one example of the growing danger of wokeness in our military. And one of the things that this ideology does is just to confuse the things that we know to be true, to confuse some of the core elements that our society is based on. What are some other examples that this study talks about? I think it's important that we understand why Christians should be concerned about this The greatness of America, a flawed history, no doubt, an imperfect union, no doubt. Uh, But one of the things that makes American democracy great is understanding that it was the Judeo-Christian worldview of our founders that shaped the constitutional republic and led to the greatest experiment of freedom that this world has ever seen. So when you embrace woke ideology based on cultural Marxism uh, that has godless roots, uh, that believes that only secularism is the answer for a society, you can only imagine uh, what this would do to a nation, a society, and now, unfortunately, our military. And as you said, we're, we're seeing it in, in uh, seeing the uh, wokeism with uh, gender confusion, gender ideology. Uh, we're seeing it with race. And so um, this is only going to cause division. It's certainly not going to create unity. You would believe that military personnel need to be unified around a common cause, a common mission. Uh, unfortunately, whether it's gender dysphoria, whether it's critical race theory, or other ways in which our government is trying to promote division and confusion, that's the last thing that our military needs. In a time where China poses an incredible threat to national security. Yeah, I'm sure any military expert would reassure you that China is definitely not concerned about how diverse their front lines look. They're concerned about strength and power and intelligence, aggressiveness, all of those things. And that is not what we're focusing right now. And as you mentioned also, this is not an ideology that's welcome to Christianity as well. 
because at the root of wokeness is really a denial of truth, as we've been talking about. It's about redefining everything we know to be true about race, gender, the family unit, and so many other pillars of our lives. And to make these things subjective, which of course means everyone will value them differently, In this study, you call wokeness a disease, but you also talk about the cure. How does the gospel speak to the current confusion our culture finds itself in? Well, we need to understand that the gospel not only saves individuals from their sin and from hell, uh, but the gospel also changes cultures and society. The gospel of the kingdom also confronts and challenges the ideologies of this world. Uh, whether it was the ideologies of a, a Roman pagan empire 2,000 years ago or woke ideology in the 21st century, the gospel does speak to all of life. It is not only a personal truth, but it is a public truth. And what we need to understand as Christians, uh, we need to allow people to understand how Jesus and his gospel transforms all things. And the last thing we need right now is a public square that is absent, uh, that does not have uh, the voice of the prophetic witness of the people of God. And so we need to be bold and courageous and with grace and truth, we need to help our increasingly secular society understand that God is the answer for a hopeless world. Christians need to understand that the liberties and the freedoms that make America great, freedom of conscience and free exercise of religion and to worship freely on Sunday mornings. Uh, You take God out of the equation, you take Christianity out of the public square, and you replace it with cultural Marxism and woke ideologies, you won't have those freedoms. You have a military that is not grounded and rooted in the Judeo-Christian roots of democracy and freedom, Uh, then what do you have a military fighting for? fighting to advance Marxism, fighting to advance woke ideology. You know, unfortunately, people are kind of blind and ignorant to what's happening in the military, not to get off on a tangent, but unfortunately, we're seeing this in other um, places of government. We're seeing the weaponization of the Department of Justice against Christians and against people of faith. After a while, uh, you know, when we continue to see the military embracing these woke ideologies and cultural Marxism, uh, how, how would the military potentially be used against Christianity in America if it's not helping to defend our cause or our liberties that we enjoy? Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it's a, it's a disease. That's a good term to use to describe this woke culture because it really does invade every every part of our society and every part of our culture. But thankfully, we do have the gospel to stand firm on. We know that that truth is reliable and it doesn't age. So Rob, thank you for speaking the gospel message and do the confusion in our culture today. I really appreciate your your time and your insight on this. All right, Madison, really appreciate that story, that interview there. And that's going to leave us with time here today for one last thing. You know, as we're talking about persecution and chaos, you know, I think of 1 Peter 3.14, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. It's often, it's easier said than done, yeah. but but we can find peace in, in Christ. And when you think about these Christians and others going through what's happening in Sudan, you know, that verse just comes to mind and something to, to pray over them that they would have that peace in the midst of chaos. Yeah. And I'm sure we're going to see, I mean, some of the more inspiring stories I've ever seen are Christians under persecution 
in areas like the Middle East, and they stand firm in their faith in the midst of certain death. And obviously, while we don't want that for anybody, we can we know we're going to be inspired by people standing firm in their faith in the midst of this horrible persecution because they know exactly that verse that you just said there and others like it. So that's all the time we have for today. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then.